You are listening to Alter Echo, a scripture and message podcast with pastors Andy Smith and Kim Kylo of St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us and worshiping with us. Well, hello, everyone. Blessed and happy Easter weekend to all of you. I'm coming to you this weekend on Saturday, sitting in my office here at St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. It's supposed to be warm and springy. This is what we always hope for, particularly when Easter is late each year. And yet we are stuck in the middle of winter type weather, although the sun is shining today. And we're reminded of the power of new life and and light and resurrection. Jesus said, I am the light of the world and I am the resurrection and the life. So here we are together, ready to hear the gospel on this Easter weekend. We trust and I pray that you are well and that you are sensing that you're held in the arms of a loving and grace-filled God. And as we come to this day, we look with great hope on a new vision, on a renewed vision for us as well through our faith. And you will hear it today. We are in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 10, the story of the resurrection. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb Taking the spices that they had prepared, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find a body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood before them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Dear friends, this is the Easter gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, our Savior, in your resurrection to new life, bless us, we pray, with powerful faith in you today. We believe. Now, help our unbelief. In Easter faith, we pray. Amen. Well, the ancient church always greeted one another on Easter with, Christ is risen from one side of the sanctuary, and he is risen indeed, alleluia, from the other side of the sanctuary. So, let us as well, but with especially strong and vibrant power today, do the same. Everyone, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, alleluia. Blessed and powerful Easter to all of you this weekend.
A few verses after the end of our gospel reading in Luke today, the scene is of two men walking back to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, to their town of Emmaus on Easter evening. Jesus comes alongside them as his resurrected Easter self, but they don't recognize him. No surprise. He was different. But even more, they had thrown in the towel on hoping he would rise from the dead anymore. They weren't expecting anything anymore from Jesus. In one of the most sad phrases in the Bible, when Jesus asks them to tell him about what they know of what happened to Jesus, they say, we had hoped that he was the one. It's the sadness of pure disappointment, of a, of a dream shattered, but also of their expectation of the real thing, Jesus as the one finally, who would redeem Israel as the promised Messiah and rescue a world so broken and wicked that it would just routinely put another person to death on a cross as unfairly as possible because they wanted him out of the way. And in this wicked world, no one could do a thing about it. They were powerless to the powerful. We had hoped he was the one, they said, in sheer resignation. Did you and I just cry out, Christ is risen indeed? As part of a proclamation of faith and certainty in the victory of God for us and for this world? Or was that only words? When we face pummeling power of the wickedness of the world or the pain of life, so so much experience now recently for us. When we experience that, do we say to ourselves, but Christ is risen indeed? Or do we throw in the towel and instead say something like, I don't know if you're there anymore, Jesus. Or what good is faith doing me anyway? There is a destructive power to resignation and defeatism in our psyches, in our souls, in our minds, in our actions. Defeatism changes everything and not for the better. It destroys hope and possibility. And if it destroys that, then it also eliminates any experience of victory or even a vision of who our resurrected living Savior, Jesus Christ, is for us and for this world in which we live in real time. This is exactly what happened to those two men on the road who actually were with Jesus, but could not see him because of their defeatism. It had blinded them. You and I may often think of Easter as God's victory for us for eternal life, after we die, which it certainly is, but Easter especially is for the power of hope and faith 
and new realities and even our own resolve to not die right now and in every moment of our lives after. Listen to this poem that I'm going to give out to people tomorrow at church from an unknown author. It spells out the juggernaut of the force that resignation and defeatism have on us. But then it turns the tables on defeatism because of the even greater power of Jesus' resurrection. It goes like this. He died. And with him perished all that men hold dear. Hope lay beside him in the sepulcher. Love grew corpse cold. And all things beautiful beside died when he died. But then the poet adds, he rose. And with him hope arose, and life, and light. Men said, not Christ, but death died yesternight. And joy, and truth, and all things virtuous rose when he rose. There it is. Easter is the beginning of an uprising of life, victorious over death, in all things. No more are we to be defeatists. No more do we throw in the towel and say, well, I guess that's it. We don't have any more hope. No more do we say defeatedly, I don't like the way this is going. I quit. No more do we defeatedly say, there is no way God could love me as I am. Or, I just can't do this anymore. No more. They say the victors are the ones who get to write history. Why should we think the haters or the cynics or the power-hungry or the violent will ultimately win the day and get to write our history, huh? That's just a dead end. That's hope and love and all things beautiful dying, defeated when we let it be next to Jesus in the tomb. But did Jesus and all of that remain dead and in the tomb? Why shouldn't we give our every effort to help those who continually foster hope that better life is yet ahead be the ones who get to write a fuller, more life-giving history for our lives right now? especially as we are propelled by the non-defeatist and very faith-filled confidence. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Mark Allen Powell, one of our uniquely good Lutheran theologians, tells of a time he was flying back to Columbus, Ohio, where he taught seminary, and sitting next to a guy who was reading his Bible. He was well into that thick, vast book, this guy was, and Powell said to him, have you, have you read that whole thing? <laughs> the guy didn't know who Powell was, which makes this even better, looked up and said with a wide smile breaking over his face, no, I haven't, but I peeked at the end, and we win. <laughs> you better believe we win. We win because God wins.
We win because life rises past death. Can you believe this? Can you put your hope in this? And Christ is now still alive, not dead. We win because that is the gospel that propels our lives, that makes hope stronger and more real than hopelessness, that makes can-do absolutely real rather than I give up or I quit, that makes defeatism a sad miscalculation and significant obstacle to even being opened to seeing the living Christ with us, even now, and being transformed by him. In the gospel story, the disciples of Jesus finally see Jesus and come out of their defeated countenance when Jesus breaks bread with them and feeds them himself, his own body and blood bread and wine. And then, right then, he vanishes. He is now in them, nourishing them with love and new faith and life, with forgiveness and mercy, with God's grace and real truth. They have found Christ in their communing with him, in putting their full faith and confidence in him indeed right there in that moment of real life. And they've come alive, been born anew because he has been victorious and come to new life himself. I'm going to describe something for you here because you can't see it. But around the entire chancel where the altar and pulpit are, are flowers galore, and then this light blue, dark blue, purple, teal fabric coming down off the cross and across the, the floor of the chancel and down the steps right down to the, to the front aisle of the church. Here's what this is. This is the scene of Revelation 22, 1 to 6. This is our first reading, and I encourage you to get your Bibles out and read it as well. It's the victorious city, the holy city of God that's described in Revelation 22. In it is God's crystal water that is the river of life flowing through the city, through our lives, quenching every thirst of sadness or guilt or hopelessness that we have. On either side of the river is the tree of life. And we've got two trees there with butterflies all over as the leaves of the trees. So on either side of the river is the tree of life. This tree's leaves, God says in Revelation 22, are for the healing of the nations meaning healing for and between all people. This is God's will in an Easter world, healing. Not death or division or pain that would otherwise pervade and prevail. On our trees here are the prayers that many, many people, maybe even some of you, wrote 
all Lent this year during our Lenten services, these prayers have met God's ears. And God has turned your prayers, your pain, your confessions, your needs into butterflies, into a brand new creation of God. An uprising of new life is bursting out of your prayers in the holy city of God, which is where we are right here and right now. Easter isn't just for life after death in heaven. Easter is for real, new, hope-filled life and faith now, after deadening things that take place every single day. But Easter doesn't let us be defeated or defeatists. In Christ, God raises us up to be the power of life, of love, of hope, and of all things beautiful for this world that far exceeds what we otherwise too often think is more powerful than us. No way. Nothing is more powerful than our Easter God. Dear friends, you are Easter people. Let the uprising of God's will for life to defeat death begin again right now in us. Dear friends, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And now God's word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live. Everyone, if you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.